ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Wednesday, September 25th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Our program this hour brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. And you can join us on the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. What do we got today? Well, uh, I'm going to have some fun here in a few minutes because uh, I get the chance to talk to Mo Egger. Now, he's the afternoon host for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And when I'm up taking in a, a, a game, I definitely flip over to 1530. And a lot of times I get to catch Mo and listen to him talk about the either the Reds, the Bengals. He also covers the Bearcats. So we're going to talk to him in a few minutes and get his thoughts on the game between these two, I think this game's a pretty big deal. I, I think that this is probably the biggest game at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. The conference games, I completely get. The importance is is paramount there. You win those. But I'm just talking about from an excitement level. I think this is the game. You know, we'll see what the schedule holds, but I haven't been impressed so much with what Conference USA has offered so far. Until we get to a championship game situation, I think this is going to be the big one, and uh, hopefully there's a good crowd. Doc is hoping a good crowd shows up. Yeah, I don't know how well the fans are going to travel, but it's an easy game for Cincinnati fans to get to. Hurt fans, 5 o'clock, come on. 5 o'clock, get plenty of tailgating in, and then you watch the game. 5 o'clock, it's, it's a Facebook game, I get it. Not that traditional noon kickoff. That college football noon kickoff or that 3.30 game. It's 5 o'clock. But you'll be home early. Think of it that way. You'll be home early and you can tailgate for a long time in the daylight, watch the game, and then you're good. You're home early. Say we're kicking off a little bit after 5. I'm saying we're going to end maybe 8.30 Depending on where you parked, if you left early, you'll be home by, what, 9, 9.30? If you're local, it's going to be pretty easy. Easy game. Should be a fun one. Now, something we talked about yesterday, Doc Holliday is going to be coaching in his 120th game at Marshall University. So he's going to break the all-time school record. The record he's tied with right now, Cam Henderson, the record is 119 games coached. So... When Doc takes the field, coaches in this game, that's going to be game 120, and he'll have the record. And that's a big mark. That's some longevity there. Doc's been there for a decade. Now, Cam Henderson had to do this between 1935 and 49. A little different because didn't play as many games. He was at Marshall a longer stretch. So depending on how long Doc is going to be at Marshall, yeah, the number could go up. And a big factor of this is Doc Holliday has 65 FBS victories, 65 FBS victories, 72 wins total as the head coach of the Thundering Herd. So right now, there's another record that we're charting, Doc isn't targeting, but we're charting, is he's six shy of breaking Bob Pruitt's all-time mark of 70 FBS victories. Now, Bobby's got a different record, 94 total wins. 
but 70 of those were in the FBS ranks, and the rest of them were then 1AA, FCS, whatever you're going to call that. So we've charted some of those games. Here are the FCS games that Doc Holliday won. In 2012, Western Carolina won that one. 2013, Gardner-Webb was the opponent. 2014, it was Rhode Island. 2015, Norfolk State. Morgan State, 2016. Then we go to 2018. I actually like this game. Eastern Kentucky was the opponent on the schedule. And then in, well... And this calendar year, VMI. So 72 total wins, 65 FBS wins, and those are the FCS games. Now, Bobby Pru, we can't go over all of them because 1996, Marshall was 1AA. So there's 15 right there. 15 of your total are FCS. And then 97, you got Western Illinois. That's the win there. And then you look at the schedule and you, you go to um, Troy, which was FCS at the time in 98, and then Wofford. So Troy and Wofford in 1998. 1999, Liberty was an FCS school at the time, so that counts. And then in the year 2000, Southeast Missouri State. 2001, UMass, which was FCS at the time. Also, Youngstown State. And then in 2002, Appalachian State, which was, again, FCS at the time. Hofstra in 2003, and then in 2004, did not play any team in the FCS. So that's the record. Milestone here for Don Colliday. He's got an opportunity to eclipse if he stays long enough, but he's definitely got room and time to catch up with Bob Pruitt on that mark. I guess if he, after he targets that, the next one is the total wins. And just depends on how long he stays as the head coach because pretty much I figured Doc Holliday is going to coach as long as he wants to unless he just the, – the wheels fall off the wagon consecutively in, in multi-years. Doc can coach probably as long as he wants to. He's consistent. The team wins. They go to bowl games. Marshall wins those bowl games. So there's a lot of value and consistency here. Marshall, a few years ago, did flirt with an opportunity to play in the Access Bowl, New Year's Six Bowl, whatever you want to call that. And now this year, there's not that opportunity, I don't think, because Marshall has to beat Cincinnati and then go through and win Conference USA and hope that some other teams maybe drop off a little bit. UCF, out of the picture. you got to have Boise out of the picture, and you – lose to Boise, so they're going to have to drop off a little bit more. And you have to hope that someone else or some other program doesn't really rise to overshadow the Thundering Herd for that argument. But building the foundation here, maybe next year's the run. Who knows? But Doc Holliday definitely has a, a record that you can be proud of if you're the head coach because uh, it's, it's consistent. It's not without some ups and downs, but – he was brought into a situation where he was basically building a program, rebuilding, trying to put herd football back where a lot of fans expect it to be. Still probably doing that because it's gotten a lot more competitive out there. 
And, of course, the conference situation has been a little difficult as well because with Marshall, you're in a whole different league. You're in a league with members that weren't the members you were playing with several years ago. That's mostly the American now. With the exception of, of, a, of a change here or there, the American is what Conference USA pretty much looked like once upon a time to a degree. So he's had to rebuild, and there's still work to be done, I'm sure. But you can say this for the program. It's consistent, wins bowl games, contending for an East Division title is important. Doc's got to knock on the door a little bit more, though. Get those wins, get that East Division title wrapped up, win the Conference USA Championship. Got to do that a few more times. I think that's the only thing, and he's aware of this as well. I'm not telling anybody something that is news. That's the big thing. Get this program to a point where you are contending, if not winning, minimum the East Division yearly or almost yearly. There's not that really big gap. If you don't win it, there's at least not that major gap in between years you win the division. And you're consistently going to the Conference USA Championship game by winning the East Division and winning that. I mean, that's what you're playing for here. You're still going to have the opportunity if you have a good year, and most years Doc has had a solid, consistent season, you're going to go to a bowl game. That's not the target for me anymore. The target for me is get this program back to the point where it is – regarded as one of the best group of five in the conversation, always the team you're talking about from Conference USA, and then get some wins, get a signature win here or there. That's important to me. Get a signature win. That's doable. Win the East Division. Go Conference USA Championship game. Win that. Try to do that more consistently. That's it. That's the only thing I would see uh, as an improvement upon what Doc's been able to do at Marshall University. But if you look at the numbers, the numbers uh, are there. He's uh, played against some, well, he's coached against some pretty good teams. And he's had his fair share of success. He's had his fair share of losses as well. He won't uh, deny that. But you're in game 120 right now. That says something. For a coach at Marshall University, that says a lot. And the way he's gone about and done it, you're not getting – too much criticism, I would hope, from anyone who really follows college football. He's been successful. The bowl games especially have really helped with his success, Mark. And you know what? Kids see that. They see, hey, this team wins bowl games. Start adding some, some conference championships, some, some, some titles to the trophy case. I mean, that's going to help a lot more. We turn our attention to Marshall and Cincinnati when we continue uh, we're going to talk to Mo Egger. He's the afternoon host for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. I'm looking forward to this. So we're going to talk to him about the upcoming game. Later on, we'll take your phone calls, 877-420-TALK. It's 877-420-8255. You can join us on the Miller Lite phone lines. we got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Paul Swan, your host for this edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And pleasure to welcome to the program now Mo Egger. He's the afternoon host for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And he covers the Bearcats in Cincinnati. This is an interesting game, Mo, because uh, these are two teams like teams that 
really there's not that much difference if you if you look at them. Uh, the spread is very minimal. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, these are two regarded you know, group of five teams that have uh, the potential to win their conference. So a lot of interesting storylines here. Uh, I just can't get a beat on this Bearcat team because you look at that Miami-Ohio game, they, they kind of got it off to a slow start. And then you look at that Ohio State game, and, uh, yeah, I throw that film out. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Luke Fickle kind of – that was his message after the Ohio State game, which is, you know, let's let's burn the tape and move on. No, I, I – there are a few terms in football more cliche than trap game, but if we had to use it, it would apply here for Cincinnati, mainly because of, of the proximity on the schedule mm-hmm. to, you know, they play UCF at home next week. That's obviously a, a huge opportunity to beat, you know, what's kind of been the flagship program of the American Athletic Conference. It's going to be on national TV. It's going to be on a Friday night. And uh, obviously they're still licking their wounds from an Ohio State game that was a sore disappointment, not necessarily because they lost, because they played as poorly as they did. And I think the real frustrating thing, I'm sure, for for the coaches, but for for Bearcat fans as well, is, you know, we're, we're three games in. It's obviously early in the season. But for a team that won 11 games last year and brought back, you know, basically, especially on offense, all the main guys from an 11-win team, it's it's really hard to pinpoint what this this team's offensive identity is, and I think you could extend that to the defensive side of the ball as well. It's it's really hard to get a, a good feel. You talked about kind of having a hard time uh, getting a feel for what the Bearcats are. We're kind of doing the same thing here. Are they going to be a capable offensive team passing the football? Is their identity going to be running it behind an offensive line that's a work in progress? Are they going to be able to get the kind of big plays from their defense they got last year? If the answers to those questions are no, then I don't know how they survive these next couple of weeks, which include obviously a really difficult road game on Saturday against Marshall, the UCF game. They've got to go to Houston. Later in the schedule, they have to go to Memphis. They've got to play Temple. So uh, if if by Saturday evening we don't have a better idea of what the Bearcats are, um, that's not going to bode well for the game against Marshall, and it's certainly not going to bode well for what they have after they play Marshall. Well, talking to some of the players, uh, they do um, have a lot of respect for Desmond Ritter. The Thundering Herd seems to face a quarterback that can beat them on his feet every week, it feels like. And then uh, Michael Warren got a lot of attention from at least the defensive guys. So uh, the running attack is definitely uh, front and center for the Thundering Herd trying to stop the Bearcats. If you're going to beat Cincinnati, that's where you start. You've got to slow down Michael Warren. And, you know, coming into the season, I think all of us thought that Uh, Maybe the deepest position group on the team was going to be at running back. This is a team that won 11 games last year and did not get a carry from uh, their leading rusher from 2017, Jared Dokes. Jared is back. Michael Warren is back. And I think Michael Warren has a chance, especially with uh, De'Ara King now redshirting the rest of his season at Houston. I think Michael Warren has a chance to be the player of the year in the league. They've got Tavion Thomas in the backfield. This is still an offense. As as much as Des Ritter progressed last season, he was the rookie of the year in the league. Uh, this is an offense that if they're going to be successful, it's going to be on the shoulders of Michael Warren. And and when they've struggled offensively this year, what you've seen them do in games is kind of get back to basics and say, okay, fine, we're not having much success throwing. We're not really uh, that confident in our downfield threats, but we can give the ball to Michael Warren and good things are going to happen. If opposing defenses take that away, and now the idea is for Des Ritter to beat teams with his arm, I think therein lies some questions. Number one, 
I think it's fair to wonder about, you know, how much explosiveness Cincinnati has on the outside. I think it's also fair to look at Des Ritter and, and be maybe a little bit disappointed in the lack of progress from last year to this year. He, he just doesn't look right. He hasn't played poorly, but he hasn't played well either. He's missed some throws. He's made some bad reads. And, you know, for a guy who did progress so much last year, and by the end of the season was throwing four touchdowns in a game against ECU, I think there was a belief that with, with the offseason as the starter, which he wasn't coming into the year last year, that maybe we would see an improved passer, and so far that hasn't happened. Joining us on the program, Mo Egger. He's the afternoon host for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And I think one thing that shocked a lot of Herd fans was the fact that Miami was able to jump out on the Bearcats. We, of course, have a shared hatred of the Miami Redhawks, uh, Marshall and Cincinnati both. Uh, <laughs> we can all come together on that one. Exactly. What, what was Miami doing early? I, I know the Bearcats came back, rallied, and, and won that game 35-13, but what did they do early just to, to continue the woes that Ohio State levied on them? Beat them at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. And, and that's not something, frankly, that you expect from uh, Miami, at least when they play Cincinnati. It hasn't been the case in a very long time. Uh, but, but that's what happened in the first, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know, quarter, uh, quarter and a half of that game. Their defensive line kind of had their way with a Cincinnati offensive line that, you know, even Luke Fickle, the head coach, said it before the season started. If, if you were to ask him the position group that was most that was giving him the most concern, he said it was the offensive line. And I think early in that game, Miami kind of took advantage of that. And then, you know, they were able to kind of do the same thing on, on the offensive side. Uh, Cincinnati's defensive line, I believe, is going to be a strength of this team. And it was uh, a week ago Saturday as the game wore on. But Miami was able to beat him up a little bit. And uh, I thought they made Des Ritter look a little bit uncomfortable. I never really felt like the game was in doubt. I never really felt like Miami was going to win. But uh, coming off of the way they played against Ohio State, and even before that, a bit of an uneven performance against UCLA, I think there were folks who hoped Cincinnati would get off to a, a quick start against the Red Hawks, and that didn't happen. And, you know, again, now with, with the caliber of opposition being better certainly this week and most definitely next week moving forward, I, I, I do think uh, that the message from the, the coaching staff to the players is these slow starts can continue and we can't allow physically inferior teams to push us around because when we start going up against teams that bring more physical toughness to, to the fight, um, if you get off to a slow start, you're going to have an uphill battle coming back and we may see a bit of that when, uh, when Cincinnati visits Huntington on Saturday. This is an interesting series. It hasn't been played much, but there is a shared history. And, of course, Thundering Herd got the best of Cincinnati last time. Uh, you know, What are your guys remembering about this? Uh, there's still some guys on this squad who remember that game, and you know, they're going back looking at it and comparing this year's team to that team. And the reports uh, across the board are that this Bearcat team is much better. Uh, you know, What are your guys seeing? Well, that 2017 the season, the 2017 game, if I recall, it was 24-zip in the first half and never really competitive. And, you know, that was a Bearcat team. It was year one under Luke Fickle. He inherited <clears throat> an absolute mess from Tommy Tuberville. And if you go back and look at the individual games, the Cincinnati was maybe three plays away from finishing 1-11. and 11. So the fact that they were as bad as they were against Marshall that day at Nippert Stadium was not that surprising. 
Um, and so it is a, a different Cincinnati team. I think Luke Fickle has done a marvelous job you know, coaching up players he inherited. He's done a fantastic job of, of getting young guys ready to contribute almost immediately. And uh, the recruiting work he is doing, I think, really puts this program in a, in a good place uh, moving forward. So it's, it's a different type of team. I think what happened, though, last year is, you know, I, I think the, the most optimistic, um, you know, prognostications had Cincinnati finishing, you know, six and six, maybe seven and five last year. Uh, they benefited from some breaks in the schedule. They benefited from winning a bunch of close games at times, frankly, against teams that not, that were not that good. And I think what last year did, they went 11 games, they win a bowl game. It may be sort of, I don't know, falsely created a, a false sense of, all right, this is how good Cincinnati is going to be in 2019. It's uh, just bring back the same guys, go out there and win 10, 11 games again. I think what you're seeing is, number one, the schedule's a little bit more difficult, and I would include Saturday's game as a part of that conversation. Um, and and the guys they lost from last year to this year, even though they didn't lose many, um, are really, really difficult to replace. And, you know, I I, I think it's I think they're in for a tough one on, on Saturday. I think they're in for a game that is, you know, uh, the Cincinnati can obviously win. Uh, I would say that Cincinnati maybe should win. But um, I wouldn't be stunned if they didn't, and if they don't, now, now you're kind of looking at that schedule, and those who kind of thought, you know, in the year three, they won 11 games last year, they'll win just as many next season. Now you're going to start to look at that schedule and wonder, man, can they get to seven wins? Can they get to eight wins? Is, is merely getting to 500 going to be a little bit of a struggle? I kind of think that their season, the trajectory of their season, hinges on what happens on Sunday in Huntington because – if they don't beat Marshall, they are really staring two and three in the face with uh, UCF coming to town. But getting back to your original question, yes, this is a, a, a better Cincinnati team. It is a better coached Cincinnati team. It is a more physically fit Cincinnati team. It's a deeper Cincinnati team, but it's not a Cincinnati team without its issues, as, as we've talked about. Mo Egger's my guest. He's the afternoon host for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. He's my go-to guy when I need to find out how the Bengals are doing and uh, – um, since I've got you here, um, Steelers are coming up. Uh, again, we have a shared hatred here of, uh, <laughs> of the Steelers. Um, I mean, what's going on? Help me out here. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying here in Huntington. Well, it's not that complex. They went 6-10 and 10 last year. They went 7-9 and nine the year before. Uh, they went 6-9-1 and one the year before that. And there's been very little roster turnover. Um, you know, yeah, they've, they've swapped out coaches, and, and I think everybody's – you know, willing to give Zach Taylor some time to, to prove that he either is or isn't the guy. But they, they weren't that aggressive in, in, in turning over the roster. They looked at last year's defense, which was the worst in the NFL, and pretty much brought everybody back. Uh, they weren't able to sufficiently address the offensive line, and that's not entirely their fault because they did use uh, the 11th overall pick on Jonah Williams to play left tackle. But uh, he's hurt, not going to play this season. The offensive line has been an issue for a couple of years now. It remains one today. Uh, their linebackers have not been good in a long time. They really didn't address that position. Their quarterback has limitations. And then you add to the mix, you lose A.J. Green for a stretch. That doesn't add up to a quick start. And so I can't tell you that I'm surprised that this team is 0-3. Um, I, I, I think it, it could get to the point where we start talking about the Bengals, you know, maybe uh, being in competition with the Miami Dolphins for the number one overall pick. If that's the case, I kind of think that's a better scenario than, 
you know, finishing with six or seven wins because when the Bengals have finished with six or seven wins, that really doesn't compel them to change the roster that much. Maybe bottoming out will force them. Bottoming, bottoming out this season will force them to, and they would certainly take a step in that direction if they uh, go to Heinz Field and lose on Monday night. Mo Eggers with us, afternoon host for ESPN fifteen thirty in Cincinnati. Uh, let's uh, let's hope the Bengals can surprise me. Uh, I need a victory, but I like your scenario as well. I'll take their first round pick in the NFL draft. I'll take that. Would be a heck of a lot different uh, than what we're used to talking about here if we could discuss the possibility of a different quarterback besides Andy Dalton. Uh, is that the talk? Is uh, is it time? You think? Well, look, you know, I, I think what we do in this, this day and age of everybody either being the best ever or worst ever, I, I think we, we fail to appreciate what Andy has been and what he does well. And I think you can do that while at the same time recognizing his limitations. The bottom line is uh, Andy's contract is up at the end of 2020. The quarterback market has changed drastically, as you well know, uh, since they signed him to the, to the deal that he's on right now. So if he's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward, you're going to have to pay him more. And I'm just not sure that I would be willing to do that. Uh, I think at some point, you know, the, the Bengals have had over the last couple of years, they could have drafted Patrick Mahomes. And they could have drafted Lamar Jackson. They could have drafted Deshaun Watson. Uh, this spring they could have drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, time will tell us if, if each of those guys are going to be as good as I think they can. I, I think we can feel that way about Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, I, I do think you get to a point where you look at Andy and go, okay, we've gotten this far with him. Can we really go as far as we want to go with him moving forward while we're paying him more money? I don't think there's a more pressing question for this franchise right now than what do you do at quarterback when Andy Dalton's deal is up? And if I'm Andy Dalton, I'm looking at the money that Kirk Cousins is getting, and I'm looking at the money that Nick Foles is getting, and I'm looking at the money that Dak Prescott is getting, and I don't think those guys are that much better than me, so I'm going to want to get paid. If I'm the Bengals, though, I don't want to be the team that pays them. Mo Egger, our guest, he's the afternoon host on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, and, of course, you can find him on Twitter, Mo Egger 1530 as well. Mo, thanks for spending some time. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to this one on Saturday. should be a fun win, and uh, – I can't wait. Uh, this is one that I think a lot of Hurt fans have circled, uh, bringing Cincinnati into Huntington. I like the fact that I can be home by about 1 a.m. from a road game, so that makes me happy. Hey, let's do this more often. Let's get Cincinnati on the schedule, uh, basketball as well. I mean, Thundering Herd just laid down a new basketball court. It'd be perfect for the Bearcats to come on in. John Brannon, Marshall Hall of Famer, now leading the Bearcat program, so there's a built-in tie-in. Let's, let's make that happen. I like it. Mo, thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. Anytime, Paul. Thanks. We got more on the way presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And don't forget, if you are in the car, you're driving, thus the name of the show, The Drive, and you can't hear the entire show, guess what? The good news is we got you. Podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, tune in wherever you get your podcast is where you'll find today's and every day's edition of The Drive uploaded for your convenience. Check it out today and subscribe. Have it delivered to your device whenever it's uploaded. You don't even have to do anything. It just comes to you. Also, use your smart device as well. You know how to do that. It's easier if you do it than I tell you, because I don't want to say the keyword right now, set off your device. That's happened. Yeah, 
uh, have commercials on. They use the, the word we're not saying, and all of a sudden the smart device goes off. So I'm going to save you the headache there. So think, think of that as a, as a courtesy from me to you. Hey, you know we've been focusing so much on football. Basketball starting to ramp back up. That's right. I get a chance tomorrow to head over to the arena, get to see the new floor in person. I know you've seen the social media pictures, the new floor, the classic Marco logo on top of the new M, which I think a petition should be created right now by someone who does that. I'm not that guy, but someone needs to create that petition right now. Get it going. You know, one of you Facebook groups, one of you message board groups, get that going. Petition the athletic department to change the Marshall logo to that old school Marco and that new M. That should be what it should be at all times. I know I'm not going to get my way on that, so... um, but if you feel compelled, do that. I would love to see. I love that logo. I mean, that's my favorite. That's my favorite rendition of Marco, and I love the new M. I'm not going to lie. I like the new M a lot better than I like the old block M. That might be heresy to some, but I, I like that new M. And you keep that old school Marco, the snorting Marco, with the as Woody Woodrum, former participant on this show, would call a beanie. Sailor Cat Beanie. I'm, I'm not going to argue with him today. I'll get a text in a minute to, just to tell me why I'm wrong by calling it a Sailor Cat. But the Beanie. Yes, the Marco with the Beanie. I want that logo to be the logo. If you're going to use the Marco head, use that Marco head. Put that on a hat. Put that on a gear. You would make a killing. I would go right now down to whatever sporting goods shop is spending money with this radio station. I'm not going to name names. And I would purchase one of those hats. I would purchase, that would be my purchase. I would make that with dollars. Go down and make that purchase. Because I think that old school and new school logo looks great together. So it's going to be really fantastic to see that on TV when Marshall Television is broadcasting or ESPN or wherever the game's going to be broadcast. You see that striking logo on the court. That. Say what you will about Dan D'Antoni. He's got a flair for creativity. He's got a flair for these type of things. And I wouldn't be surprised that pretty soon he's going to be sporting some some shirts like that. I mean, remember, he came out with his own fashion line. The hillbilly ball shirts, he wore that one time. You lost your minds last year. You saw that on social media and lost your minds. And you all wanted to have that shirt. So now he's probably sitting back going, what's my next thing? What am I going to come up with next? What's it going to be? Is it going to be Hillbilly Ball 2.0? Is that going to be the new shirt that everyone's going to have to have so they can look like Coach? Or is it going to be some sort of Marshall Marco Head M wear that only he has? I mean, I would love to see the uniforms have that as well. Why not? Refresh the uniforms. Everybody changes uniforms daily in college athletics. It changes daily. Let's see. Let's get the new Old Marshall Marco, let's get that. It's that old, new logo that they've created. Get that on the apparel. Make that happen. I tell you, you would, you would print money just about, I would think, with a lot of Herd fans. Because I mean, this is just how passionate Herd fans are. I can remember one time 
at a tailgate. I was at the broadcast position, and I had a sweet lady come up to me, and she was proud of the fact that her sweatshirt was old, and it was the correct color. This was before everything switched back to Kelly, and we don't have to have these arguments anymore, these conversations. But she was adamant that this was the correct color and proud of the fact that she had not bought anything that did not have Kelly green. So there you go. Start your petition now. Get that logo. Let's make that the permanent new old new old mark again. Put that. I would put that on the on the. You know what if you had that on the front of the basketball jersey? Just put that right there. Just, that would be cool. More on the way. It's the drive. ESPN ninety four point one FM and AM nine thirty. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of the show. We're going to be back at it tomorrow. we get a full day for you tomorrow coming up. It'll be this show, and then we'll have Inside Herd Athletics with Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hamrick, and then the Doc Holliday Show. That'll be broadcasting live from Fat Patties right next to Joan C. Edwards Stadium. So if you're looking for your herd fix tomorrow, you've got a lot of options. Not only do you have the Hamrick Show and you've got the Duck Holiday Show, you also have some soccer taking place because Marshall's women's soccer team will be playing host to UTEP Thursday at Hoops Family Field, the vet. That'll be at 7 o'clock, so you could go catch a little bit of, say, Mike Hamrick's show. And then take your radio, go on down to the stadium, watch a little herd soccer. The ladies are taking on UTEP before they head back to Florida to take on the FIU Panthers. Marshall can use a win. Right now they are sitting at 2-7. and seven. So the women's soccer team not doing as well as the men at this moment. So another reason why you should head out to the field tomorrow. Come on, you're on your way. You know what, if you could do this. Just go see the Doc Holiday show, and then you can just drive on down and catch maybe the second half of the action. I mean, that could be a fair compromise. If you're, if you're going to see Doc, drive on down, go see some herd soccer, then yell, cheer, be loud, give those ladies some support, help them out. It's a good plan. I like it. That's why they should put me in charge of marketing over at Marshall. That's never going to happen, but you know what? I would have so many ideas Thankfully, they're not going to do that because I would have to charge a lot of money because I would have – I might not kill them in quantity. I might kill them in – well, let's just put it this way. I would have something. Might not be the best idea, but I would have something. So uh, soccer coming up tomorrow, and, of course, uh, you can uh, follow along as well, herdzone.com. But that's a plan right there. Go check out Doc Holiday, and then you can go down – Catch a little soccer. That'll be your Thursday herd fix. Of course, Friday's save for high school football. And then Saturday, get your tailgate on. Get ready. Head over to Jones Edwards Stadium. Go inside the stadium this time. Right now, if you're tailgating on Saturday and you don't have a ticket, but you're going to tailgate, go get a ticket. Go get a ticket 
and go inside the stadium. Just walk in. Get a seat. See what you're missing. Because it's going to be funny. I'm going to look out, and I'll see nice crowd. Jones Edwards Stadium always looks good when the house is almost full, filled. Where you're Kelly Green. They're pushing that. They want Kelly Green. Not white. Not pink. Kelly Green. Where are you, Kelly Green? Trying to make a statement here. And fill it up. Make this a make this a big time venue. Cincinnati, big game. Marshall could win this. They'd be three and one heading into conference play. The favorite to win the East Division and possibly Conference USA. And if they get this victory, they're definitely going to be the odds-on favorite because they're going to be springboarding in with a lot of momentum, playing probably some of the tougher G5 schools out there. One of the toughest G5 schools in the MAC in Ohio, I think, despite their record, Cincinnati, which will be a tough game. And Cincinnati's vulnerable. Trap game. Could this be the trap game? That's a team that's vulnerable. And if the stadium's rocking, who knows what's going to happen. And, of course, you battle Boise State. You lose that one 14 points uh, to Boise, 7 for the Herd. Okay, it's not too bad. You take that. It's, it's not, not the outcome you want, but it's all right. You didn't get blown out, right? I mean, that's the thing. You didn't get blown out. You're on the football field. You were present and accounted for for almost the entirety of that game. So that counts as something. And you get the Cincinnati game, but show up. That's all I'm saying. If you're on the tailgate lot when kickoff happens, shame on you. I'm going to leave it at that. That's fine. You spend your money. You want to go tailgate and not come see the game? That's fine. Send me a hot dog or something. That'd be nice. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Until then, good night, everyone. Flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.